Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. This is episode... Do you know what episode this is? Man, beats me. Episode a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think this is episode 110 or 111, season 5, episode something. I don't know. I, anyway, doesn't matter. In this week's episode, I'm actually really excited because we're getting back to our roots both Brandon and I have a background in SEO, and that's going to be the topic of conversation in this episode. Uh, our guest this week is Joe Robledo. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Joe? Not much. So Joe is the organic department head at 97th Floor, which most of you know we have a history with. Uh, both Brandon and I used to work at 97th Floor many years ago. And Joe, you've been there for a few years, too. I think you... Yep. When did you start there? In June of 2000. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, June 2015. When did you leave, Brandon? August 2014. Okay, so you missed him by a few months. And I was gone in May. No, March. March of... No, May. May of 2014. You were gone right away. That's right. Get Get this guy out of here. here. Uh, So uh, what's what's really awesome about this episode, we are going to be diving into SEO best practices. If you're a business owner and you're looking to start up your your business and and looking into getting SEO started, we're going to be answering a lot of those questions uh, honestly, Joe, I've, I've gotten the best recommendations on having you on the show as far as getting the, the latest and greatest, uh, in SEO. So I'm super excited. Sweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked too. I think there's, uh, just so much I'd be down to talk about when it comes to best practices. If this works out, we're going to have you on multiple times. I promise. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. So super excited. Let's get started. Okay, Joe, so before we really dive into the main portion of the show, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of share your background. Uh, what makes you qualified to come on the show to talk about SEO? Yeah, so I went to BYU, got a degree in sociology, um, but I did all my electives, internships, and in business. No, sorry, I asked to, uh, uh, for what your, uh, makes you qualified. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm qualified. I've got a degree in sociology. I got a degree. Yeah. <laughs> On uh, paper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, no, sorry. Keep going. I, no, you're good. I, I, so the reason I bring that up is because I feel like when I was going to school, I initially thought like, I want to do something in business. I didn't know exactly what, but I knew that I also loved people and that's what I wanted to study. Um, and as I was doing my internships in different businesses and in different industries, uh, I realized that there was a lot of possibilities there with that intense interest in, in people and how they work and, and how uh, groups of people interact with each other um, and how that could bleed over into the business world. So I kind of decided I was going to stick with sociology. And when I graduated, I would get into something with business. Um, and lo and behold, when I graduated in, in April of 2015, um, just doing some job hunting and found out that 97th floor was doing interviews went in and I had no idea like what 97 floor did. Uh, I just knew it was in marketing and I was like, yeah, I've done some data work at, and looks like data could be applicable here. So I figured I would give it a shot. Um, and I remember during that first, uh, group interview that we did, we sat down and, and Paxson went through and explained kind of what 97 floor does, how it kind of wins the success that it has. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like perfect. I love it. Like there's so much about, it, at, at the core DNA of 97.4, I feel like 
data and research is, is, is there. And that's something I found uh, that resonated really well with me. And so when I interviewed and got the job, I felt like pretty, pretty right at home with, yeah. with everything that was going on there. And you started as just a digital marketer. What, yep. what was the role? Like, where, where were you at? Yeah, so I was uh, working as a digital marketer, um, just kind of at 97th floor, they have it split up between SMB, back then it was just source or enterprise, which is more kind of the larger business side of things. Yeah. Uh, so when you first start there, you start as a SMB marketer, and that was what I was doing uh, on the organic side of things. Um, we also have like paid marketers that work on both SMB and enterprise. But uh, uh, I was doing my work as the organic marketer uh, on an SMB team. Uh, after a couple of months there, um, I started to kind of really dive deep into the technical side of things um, when it comes to SEO. Mm -hmm. uh, and still to this day, I feel like that's been one of my uh, kind of deeper passions and fascinations with, with the industry. It's kind of the technical maintenance and upkeep and best practices of, of a site. And uh, it's something that, honestly, I, I still find myself like, if there's ever like a, a time suck in my day, it's usually in that side of things. Where you get into the weeds <laughs> about the technical Exactly, stuff. yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm going to just like tear this baby open and let's get at it and see what, what's going on, what's what's working well, what's not. Um, so you're a digital marketer. Mm -hmm. you, you started, whose team were you on? Have you been on I was on teams? Cole's team. Oh, Cole. Cole yeah. Reben. okay. Yep, yep. You guys had him on this show. Love Cole. Yep. Uh, I was with Cole. Actually, before I was with Cole, there was a thing called a, the, the charity team. Um, oh, with uh, nice and four, it. it was basically a, an air arena where uh, new marketers could get their feet wet with uh, with basically pro bono work. Oh, um, I, I do remember that. So you who who managed that team? So that was Paxton. Oh, Paxton. Yeah. Okay. So Paxton was my first CM uh, yeah. or campaign manager. Totally. Uh, and then from there, I moved into to Cole's team. Uh, I had Nils take Cole's spot, um, and then from there. I moved to Team Josh on Enterprise. Um, Josh Moody. Josh Moody. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. A bunch of names no one's going to know, but exactly. We, we like Josh. Yeah. We like. We, like, uh, we know him. Yeah, yeah. 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 Everyone. Yeah. Everyone should know these people. They're they're great people, and I, I really respect. Okay. So them. you're a marketer. At what point did you transition into your current role? Uh, that was about I would I want to say like a year and a half ago, close to a year ago. Okay, so a year, year and a half ago, and, and kind of bullet point your uh, your responsibilities in your current role. So my main responsibility is with regards to training. So so you're training new employees exactly. on SEO best practices yep. and how, how 90 cent floor is implementing these these practices with their, their clients. Exactly. Okay. I also maintain the training of the interns that we hire. Um, and then also we have a, a weekly marketers meeting that I'm in charge of administrating and uh, making sure it's cool. They're teaching the right stuff, and you know everything's going yeah, well there. Yeah. So, so if we were to sum up, basically, because at the beginning I was like, "Tell us why you're qualified." If we were to sum this up, it basically be I have uh, years of experience in SEO, and my current role that I've had for a year and a year and a half is to stay up to date on the latest and greatest SEO practices, so that when we're training our employees, we're we're at the top of the uh, the the food chain exactly okay yeah. cool so so great I, i'm excited seo is one of my passions i know brandon's super excited and, and passionate about seo uh most of our listeners are either uh small business owners or marketers uh who likely are going to benefit a lot from what we're going to be talking about today so super exciting 
Okay, so that's Joe. Joe, again, welcome on the show. I'm super excited. Okay, where do you want to start, Brandon? Uh, gosh, well, it's interesting. I have one quick question with regards to Nicent Floor. So Nicent Floor is split into kind of enterprise and small business. Do you have, and I guess full disclosure, Joe, so at Dev Mountain, we hire, we currently like... Uh, Nicent use, Floor is your... They're on, yeah, they're one of our vendors. Joe is on that account. agency of choice. Yeah, agency yep. of choice. Agency of record. Of record. <laughs> yes. There we go. That's the correct way of putting it. So yeah, obviously you're, and we're, I believe we're enterprise yes. clients. So yep. don't feel like you have to say enterprise. Nice I slip guess. in there. We've got a huge budget is yeah. basically what I'm trying <laughs> to say probably here. Probably We lower, know how to spend money, you know. Probably the lower spend. I don't know. Um, but do you have a preference of like, now that you've worked both sides, do you like working on the bigger clients or do you, do, like, do you miss working on the smaller clients. What kind of question is that? Because do you, I feel do you like, like having lots of money to work with or a little bit of well, money? Well, here's the thing though. Like when you're working on a, a budget, like a client like Intuit or something like that, sure. you only have so much impact in the company versus Joe who just started a company and now they're starting to like, you know, get some traction. You're a big part of that growth yeah, well, like, where you can see the results. Come on. I mean, impact is rel- relative, right? Because even Intuit, if, if, if Intuit comes to 90 cent floor and they're struggling and they come through and they grow the traffic or the business, at least the organic business by mm-hmm. 200%, it's probably going to get noticed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? So here's the thing. I feel like, uh, for me at least, it, it will always come back to like the people that I'm working with. And it kind of goes back to that background in sociology, like working with an SMB client and working with an enterprise client to me the fulfillment that comes when i see success for them is the same uh it it resonates the same you're right in saying that the if the ripple effect and the impact you know that it's bigger on the enterprise side right like when you see you know a big client or a big uh brand blow up because of what you're doing there's a lot more eyes to to see that um as opposed to an smb although i bet the smbs are more appreciative Exactly. Yeah. I can remember the first client that I ever had where on the SMB side of things, who was it? It was a uh, San Susi. They're, um, they're a glass door company. They're actually still at 97th floor. Um, and I, I loved working with them. Uh, I remember just kind of like coming into to myself as a, as a marketer with giving recommendations on what they can do to fix their site and seeing that actually like yield fruit and hearing kind of the excitement in our context voices to like, oh yeah, like we're, we're hiring more people, we're, we're beating out Home Depot, we're beating out Lowe's in this SERP, and you know, we're, we're really seeing some good success. And I knew that that was due to the combined work that we were putting out together. And, and so when you ask like, do I miss SMB? I, I miss that side of things where I know that like, we are getting people you know, off the ground, or maybe they've been off the ground for a while and we're just really like helping them spread their wings more. Um, but on the enterprise side of things, I think for me, what's the most fulfilling there is to be able to kind of to wield the reins for their SEO strategy when you're steering kind of like a, I, would, I don't know, so bear with me as I work through this uh, analogy. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're, you're steering a carriage, right? Like SMB, you're, you can do that with like a two horse carriage. Uh, enterprise, I feel like sometimes with the size of the company, especially you're going to be working with like a 50 horse, like more horses. Yeah, exactly. And so being and, able to wield that, know that more horsepower is more, more horsepower is always better. That's right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, so, uh, okay. So that's the difference. This is, uh, this is weird. I've been out of the agency world for yep. almost five years. Uh, this is like a little nostalgic for me. Sure. Talking yeah. about the agency side. So you you said that that was one of your favorite clients. 
mm-hmm. which makes me wonder, what was your favorite client, Brandon? Yeah, that's a good question. I need to think back. Okay, take a second. I'm going to tell you. My okay, favorite yes. client was... You've been thinking about this the last <laughs> couple of minutes. Yeah, I have. I have. Uh, <laughs> could you guess my favorite client? Uh, defensive driving. You got it, man. Defensive driving, <laughs> which uh, I like. I killed it for them. And then Brandon took over that account when I left. And then killed them. And then, well, no, they, <laughs> they left. They fired us. Uh, so. They left after you. After, so you left before they left. Yes. It was, cha- it was uh, Chase. Chase is the one who Maybe. drove that in the ground. <laughs> anyway. I'll tell you the, the reason why I liked them so much is because they gave me a lot of money and just let me do whatever I wanted with it. I mean, what yeah. more could you ask for? Well, and that's the, that's the cool thing they about enterprise breath, breathing down my neck. Yeah. It's like you have the budget to work with. So if you want to kind of get wild with the direction you take things or the scale at which you attack things, that's, that's all in, you know, like that's all a possibility. Yeah, and if you mess up, it's like they're more forgiving because these big companies throw money away all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd say that, but <laughs> I like meaning that I, I think that, you don't want to just be like, nah, screw it. This is, this isn't going to work. I'm just going to do it anyways. Cause they got money to spend. But <laughs> I, I feel like, so to, I feel like he's obligated to say that as a representative of a, of an agency. Just kidding. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but no, <laughs> <laughs> well, no but it's seriously being in house. It feels like that a lot where it's like, there yeah. are a lot of initiatives going on and they're throwing money at this stuff and then it doesn't work and they just sweep it under the rug and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny, like coming out of like college, getting into this job, you kind of like, when you hear like, oh man, 10K, like, oh my gosh, that's that's a lot of money. And it is, uh, but like, you're right. There are some businesses out there that like 10K a month is, oh yeah, like, it's not that's a lot. just part of nope, how we do things. it's not a lot anymore. So it's like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, so have you thought of your client yet, Brandon? Can you guess? Or if you had to guess? Is it, I mean, I mean, yeah, I could guess. Do you have, so you, don't, you don't lean towards one. Um. I don't know. I thought you liked defensive driving as well, but there's probably one that you like. If I better. had to pick one, I'm trying to remember all the clients. Like I've, it's such a blur. But well, if you had a favorite one, that, one, it wouldn't be one that the you one would that forget. came to mind the fastest was uh, uh, DrugRehab.org, which I think that was my first that client. Was your first client, and I still had they grew like to enterprise. That with was your me. that was your first Penguin client too, wasn't it? Yes, that was also. But I think it was that. It was oh, that. Man, you guys are of, around for Penguin. Jeez. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Penguin. I was Brandon, the, Brandon was the designated Penguin client guy. So if anyone came and they're like, ah, our thing is on fire, it's Penguin. Yeah, it We're like, Brandon, about, it was always take my care account of it. then to do all that crap. And he did. He fixed it. Uh, yeah, Penguin was fun. Learned a lot about SEO from <laughs> that. Fun. But I think it was fun because JT was the point of contact, he was the owner of it. And so you experienced the highs and lows with that person. And it was just fun. Like, dude, we're, we just got this result. And then you, like, he, he celebrates like, oh, man, I'm going to go get wasted tonight and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just, what he said, right? As soon as you fixed Penguin? Yeah, that was one of the things. Wait, like, oh, he, yeah. was, he owned drug <laughs> drug rehab.org. Oh, okay. He's not doing hard drugs. And he said though. he's going to get wasted. Just okay. a little champagne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, I think that was the, like, the small business side. I think the pro is when things go well, it's really fun to have that relationship with the owner. Cause you kind of feel like you experience the growth, the growth with them. Yeah. But if things go wrong, that's their money that was just lost and they're very angry and it's very tough to deal with that versus when I deal with you at Vivint and we did it, we had a poor month. You're going to be, you're not going to be happy, but it also wasn't your money that you just lost. That's and so right. it's not as personal. Yep, so you're right. There's that. Yeah. But that's, those are the most fun part. I think I learned the most about just marketing in general from, and, and, and client communication with, with uh, JT from, from drug rehab. So. Fun fact, Brandon and I partnered up on a joint content 
campaign between defensivedriving and drugrehab.org. Nice. Yeah. I think I've heard about no this words. one. That's right. It, it, was, uh, it was a no drinking and driving campaign. Yeah. yeah well, I think, so, right. well, I think that's kind of one of the like, cool sides of being in an agency is that you do get to experience all these different industries in a very like, up-close, high-impact kind of way as opposed to just going in-house where you're stuck in that one industry and you're like, all right, how can we grow this here? In an agency, you get that times, you know, however many clients you have. So I think yes. that's pretty I'm cool. not sure there's a way you could possibly convince me to go back to the agency world. Oh, man, I thought I was going to be able to do that by the end of this. Come on, man. Give me a chance. <laughs> I'll give you a chance. I'm You've very open-minded. You've been destined for in-house since day one. That's true. Yeah. I'd, I'd go back to agency. Would you? I, I mean, there's an there's uh, element of client work. Like, I, would go, I don't know if I'd want to be a campaign manager, like, like what a PJ is. I feel like if I went back to agency... I would either need to do like a Would you want to be an organic department head? No, I don't know. Not necessarily. Probably not. I don't think I'd be the best. Like, I think I'd go like, <laughs> a guy like Joe would do a lot better. I'd rather do one specific thing for a lot of clients or a lot of things for one client, which is kind of what I'm doing right now for <laughs> in-house, right? Like Dev Mount. I, you just I described the difference between agency and in-house. No, but well, like PJ does a lot of things for a lot of clients. He, he kind of has to orchestrate everything. Yeah. And, and for me, I'm like too ADD for that like switching between clients. Whereas if you're like organic or you're a PPC, you at least get to stay within that lane and it's just the different clients. So that's where I kind of like, if I could get one of those two things, I could be uh, persuaded to go back to agency. All right. Yeah. Well, we're already 16 minutes into this thing. I we do have an area to start though. Stuff, oh my I have an area to start. So we're talking small business. Yeah. I thought it'd be interesting to open up from your perspective. What are things small business owners are listening to this entrepreneurs, people getting ready to launch their business. What are some, some, some tips for success. I'll keep this vague and we can dig sure, as deep yeah. or specific as you want, but, but where do you start when a small business owner comes to you and they say, I'm launching my website. Uh, I got to start figuring out how to get customers. What do I do? I'll tell you the first question. What's your budget? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk to me when you have money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so no, so I, answer that question. And then, and cause that's part of the job, right? Is catering, so, catering the services to, to the spend. Then they always say my budget's flexible. Yeah, it just well, depends. Fine, on whatever. It. Who cares? Just answer the question, <laughs> Joe. No, I. So I'm gonna take this a little different angle. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just say, forget budget. Like I'm just gonna talk straight to the entrepreneur, straight to the business owner, and just say, all right, here's what I would do if I was you. Meaning, just, it doesn't matter what your budget is. These are what you need to do. So yeah. whatever it costs to get this exactly. done, that's Figure the budget out. you yeah, put at it. Exactly. Okay. So if I was starting a new business, right, and I wanted to get a strong following, get, you know, good, strong, uh, organic following with what I'm doing. The first thing I do obviously is get a website. Um, and then also in that whole process of building out your website, identify what are going to be your, your key indicators for success when it comes to your keyword rankings. Um, that's usually going to be tied into the service you're providing or the, the brand, you know, affiliation you're trying to build. Um, but once you understand like what are your main keywords that you want to go after, that's going to be your bread and butter. That's going to be the, the foundation upon which all the success that you're going to find after this is going to be built on. So being able to identify your, your solid uh, keywords to go after is going to be huge because um, that's also going to direct how the site's built out. Right. So if you're if you're selling, you know, dog kennels, right, like you want to make sure you're going after a specific iteration of that term that has high search volume a decent uh, keyword difficulty and a strong enough uh, bid or cost per click that, you know, necessitates a focus like that. So uh, would you say that, that selecting keywords 
prior to even having a website would be a best practice? In other words, yeah. you, ne you need to understand how your navigation works, right? And how the website is built and mm -hmm. the categories, subcategories, the breadcrumbs, all that stuff. You think that keywords specifically guides that, uh, that next step of, of building out your website? Yes, I would say it does. And it also matters like what you're seeing currently in the wild, right? So like if you are trying to compete for the term, you know, Funfetti cookies, right? You're gonna search that term. You're gonna look at the top on that first page, see who's winning, see why they're winning. Um, if it's a home page that's ranking for that term, you want to understand why that's happening as opposed to a product page or a recipe page. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's something that you definitely want to do kind of in that first round of exploration research as you're getting ready to launch your website. You want to make sure you understand the industry you're getting into, the surfs that you're going to be fighting against, the type of architecture that you need to have rolled out for that site. Um, and, and again, like if, if you're not a technical like person and you don't know how to build a website from scratch, that's totally fine. There's freelancers. There's people out there that, that can help you with that. And there's even free resources online that can get you up to speed. But I think it's just key to understand kind of like what's going to be, what, what is this going to look like 10 years down the road in order for me to win and, yeah. and to be the, on the top dog in this serve. But, but at the same time, I mean, this is the advice for people who are starting a business who don't have a website. But if you have already started a business and you already have a website, mm -hmm. keyword research probably is still your number one yeah, step. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, you can you can take this advice and apply it still, even if you have a website and you've launched it. Um, yeah, because this is going to be crucial to how your organic keyword rankings, you know, feed into one another. Yeah, I'm, for, I'm sorry, real quick. I'm starting to see a structure of this conversation. I'm seeing step by step. So. Maybe, maybe we start umbrella, meaning keyword research is step one. Then we go through however many steps you have. And then I'd like to get back to keyword research because sure. that's, yeah. that's a really important step. So maybe we, we go surface level and then, and then dig deep. Well, I was going to ask, uh, for those who don't have a website and maybe they don't want to hire a freelancer or whatnot, they're looking at something like uh, Squarespace, Wix, Weebly from an SEO perspective, are you for or against those? If you like them, do you have a preference on? Services. I don't know if you have clients that have websites on those platforms, but I know in the past they've generally been looked at as like, oh yeah, you're not going to get great SEO out of those. But then I hear, oh no, things have changed. Like they're a lot, lot, lot yeah. better. Do you have a, do you have a, an opinion on that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, th I think at the end of the day, it's going to depend on what industry you're getting into, right? And the type of business you're going to be running. So if you are a e-commerce site, maybe something more along, you know, Shopify, uh, or even WordPress, they have a lot of e-commerce capabilities that you can build into that um, would be a good option for you. Uh, if you're more kind of an image heavy thing, WordPress ha has a ton of great uh, templates that you can use that makes it more image friendly. I, I, I would say if I had to choose one, it would be WordPress just because I feel like it's the most flexible mm -hmm. uh, and kind of open to, to interpretation type of uh, CMS that anyone can get into. Um, the ones I would stay away from, and this is only because I've had, uh, like nothing but bad experiences with them is, uh, uh, shop, not Shopify, um, Squarespace. Squarespace. Um, that, that's been kind of my, I, I remember working with a client who was on Squarespace and it was just a nightmare to do anything technical with it, to, to optimize it further. Um, they kind of lock you into certain settings and they have a good developer mode. Um, but even that can be pretty limiting. But, uh, so Squarespace is to Apple as WordPress is to Windows as far as your ability to uh, customize. 
Right, right. I, that's been my experience. And, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am the all-knowing SEO God in that, you know, what I say is law. How long ago was that? This was... The Squarespace was, experience? Um, was it pretty recent? Probably within the last year. Because, <clears throat> so, Brandon, you like Squarespace, don't you? Do I? I don't know. Do you? They, <laughs> they, uh, they, they sponsor the Tech Audit TV podcast, technically. So, well, you're allowed to talk smack about them on this podcast. Opinion. I've made like 60 cents from them. So well, there you go. I got to say good things. So well, here's the thing. Like a full dollar. Yikes. So again, I, again, <laughs> I am not like the all seeing eye knowing everything about Squarespace. I uh, just from where I was coming from in like what I was trying to do with the site, it yeah. just seemed pretty limiting. I, I thought it was also kind of weird that they create like a duplicate version of your site by default. Where no, you have a trailing slash and a non-trailing slash version of your site live anytime uh, you launch a Squarespace site. They do rel canonical it back to the yeah. right version, but still, like, why do that in the first place? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Here, here's what I'll say about Squarespace. I, so I, I use Squarespace for uh, some of my side projects that I don't care if they rank. Sure. Right? I don't have specific keywords. It's just like a hobby, and, yeah. and I can send people there if they want more information. But Squarespace is good if you want to do it yourself. So yeah. w- w- when, you talk about, when you talk about it being very limiting... Uh, the reason why that's a that's a plus, I mean, obviously that's a negative for you because it's your sure. job to get into the weeds and they right. kind of restrict that. But if you're going out and building your own website, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a a, a, a widgy wit. What's that called? A, a WYSIWYG? Wig? Yeah, WYSIWYG, where it's yeah. kind of drag and drop and it's very user-friendly as far as getting pictures and content on the page and allowing you to... Is that what they call that acronym? A WYSIWYG? I've never heard I've heard that. that I, I don't really know what exactly what, what it's... What you get. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. That's I always right. just see the letters... I didn't know people actually said WYSIWYG. Yeah, WYSIWYG. That's interesting. I always just look at it like what you see is what you get. Okay. I remember uh, I think PJ <laughs> brought it up in a call and I thought he was just making that word up. Like PJ's my CM he right said, now. He just said WYSIWYG. He's just like, yeah, like, build a WYSIWYG. Okay. And I was like, okay, PJ. are you just, what? But He's it's a real thing. It's a real thing. So. Uh, okay, so Squarespace is good if you're going to do it yourself. Yeah. If, if you've got a big enough business where you've got, you've got money to like outsource stuff, then I, I can see how uh, Squarespace could be a, 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 a problem. Yeah. But they have, I mean, it has SEO sections that right. allow you to optimize yeah, and for I, like I feel like tags I've, and meta descriptions and stuff like that. Yeah, but. I feel like I've been attacking Squarespace pretty hard during this. But uh, but from like a I, technical standpoint, when you talk about like schema markup and stuff like that, I, I don't even know where to go on Squarespace to add yeah. that more technical backend stuff. Yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of do page by page optimizations in that way. But two Squarespace's... Um, credit credit they they do make it more accessible for people to get into like building websites which is great you know like i think it's awesome that more people can do that um it's definitely a little bit more accessible than like a wordpress backend would be yeah no Um, that's true so i i think do some damage in wordpress if you don't know what you're doing yeah exactly yeah you accidentally get into your theme files and yeah delete it (laughs) um that could be bad um but yeah. Well, with with the uh, keyword research, what tools? Because that's I guess that's the other question. Sure. Listeners well, are hang on, because you, now you're going deep, right? I, well, I went too deep too fast. Well, I, what I'm saying is keyword research is step one. I want to like sure. blaze through the yeah, yeah, yeah. steps, okay, okay, and then I we'll come you. back to yes. keyword research because I I want to spend time on keyword research, but I w- I want to make sure that we have at least the top level topical elements to what steps uh, you've got prepared. Yeah. yeah so, so, so number one is keyword research. Keyword research, and then as you're doing that try to get a grip on the user flow or user experience that you're seeing in the wild right now for your potential customers that will be on your site. What I mean by that is when you look at your competitors that you're gonna be going against, 
do they have a landing page? Do they have a product landing page or do they have a category landing page? Like how is the site built in order to kind of send people down the funnel um, for the product they're trying to sell? So look at your main competitors, how they have it set up mm -hmm. and emulate. So not emulate, but take that into consideration as you're building that okay. because there's always more that someone can do to, to surpass their competitors. There is a more technical version of this where you are looking at on and off page metrics for your competitors that 90 cent floor does. And uh, I'm sure, it, like I know that there's documentation out there online for free that you can look up and see like, how do you run a competitive audit uh, for a specific SERP? Um, and that's something I would recommend. But again, this is assuming that like, we're not getting into the weeds right now. <laughs> yeah, yep. But yeah, understand your competitive uh, landscape as you get into this. So is that part of two or is that a, a number three? So I would say it's part, part of two. Okay, so I had uh, keyword research number one, two, user behavior and competitive research mm -hmm. through that same thing. Okay, keep going. And then from there, I would take a sec to understand, this is kind of tied into keyword research, but yeah. I would take a sec to build out your vision for your content. So meaning that like, what, what kind of blog are we gonna be? Uh, are we gonna have a blog? I would, the Highly answer to recommend that is blog. yes. yes. <laughs> You're gonna have a blog, you should have a blog. Um, and how is it gonna be approaching our, our customers, right? Like what, what kind of vibe do we, want, do we wanna be putting out there to our, our client base? Um, because at the end of the day, like this is what's gonna help your company grow, it's, it's awareness. And I think it can be a huge uh, boon to your success and it could also just be a huge drain if it's not done correctly. Um, so having that vision at the beginning is gonna be crucial because if you just go into this willy-nilly and saying, you know, I'm just going to build content because I read on a blog somewhere that I have to build content, you're going to maybe get half the results that you should be getting. If that. If that. Um, but having a vision for what you want and then tying in that keyword research to that, that blog vision is going to be crucial. Okay. The blog is interesting because I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and whatnot. I, uh, like, uh, gosh, it was like a few weeks ago. I was just guest lecturing at BYU and I talk about this every time where I talk about content and blogs and I bring up the case study of Marcus Sheridan who had the pool company and then his business was about to go out in 2008 when the crash happened and he learned about inbound marketing. It's hard just every question his customers would have in the past, he would turn that into blog posts and then his business blew up. And I feel like the, the response I get both in like side comments and just like in the faces when I'm telling new business owners like, yeah, blogging and whatnot, having content is really important. I think the general thought process is, well, I'm not a blogger. Like I don't write, yeah. I don't have time to write a blog. And then they start to write and they're usually, I'd say 90 plus percent of the time made up stat right there. They <laughs> are, they're just kind of writing to write and then it's kind of mediocre and they stop blogging. Yeah. And that's usually the experience, especially like on the small business side, you probably saw that where clients would come in. Yeah, we have a blog. Mm -hmm. We haven't wrote on it for about a year and a half because we weren't really seeing results. And so that's the toughest part yeah. is, it's like blogging's important, but that, it's, it's tough to recommend to a small business owner because they're looking for like, I gotta get, nah. I gotta get traction now. So is this really- And that's short-sighted, man. That's super short-sighted. Let me say, if, 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 here's what I've seen because we've run into this at Vivint where, where it's a matter of managing expectations because yeah. a lot of the time these guys are trying to get, they think as you're saying, you need to write a blog, that they're gonna get conversions and sales directly from yeah. the blog, yes. right? Yeah. Which doesn't happen. Uh -huh. So if we're not managing expectations in that, the blog is a way to generate authority for your core website where most of the sales is gonna happen, then you're already off to a bad start because they're gonna start writing this blog, they're gonna publish it, and it's gonna have you know, 
uh, eight views, eight views like or whatever. The first month and like, what the heck? And you're like, yeah. Well, and they're going to think that so, it's a complete waste because yeah. they're looking at the metrics coming directly from the blog and not what the blog could potentially generate for the core website. Right. Well, and, I was listening to a podcast with Susan. Uh, she has the freshly Peterson. Picked, yeah. Susan Peterson. She was talking about, I forget what podcast it was, but they mentioned how she like, stopped blogging. And she's like, yeah, we looked at our analytics and we're getting like tons of traffic to my blog because I would do like these DIY stuff that like a lot of moms would really yep. like. But we were looking at it and no one was buying moccasins from it. So we decided, you know what, let's just shut it down. And, I, and, and the SEO guy yep. me was yeah. like, that's what right. are you doing? That's exactly like, right. And, and that's yeah. how a lot of business owners think though, or at least because they're not marketers. I know. And, 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 it. and it comes down to education. Like I, I remember this just happened like three months ago. I've been working with my, uh, my, my boss's boss or whatever who um, he's confused about this. So I have this like graphed out on a whiteboard and he's talking. I'm like, I just had this realization. I was like, this guy doesn't realize where the sales are coming from. So I asked him, I was like, point to the, to, to where on this flow chart you think sales are happening. And he's like here. And I was like, no. And he goes, Oh, here. I was like, Nope. And then at that point I was like, Hey, I, let me just tell you. And I, I had to educate him, right? Like the blog creates, content that allows you to distribute it, whether it's social or links or whatever, that points authority back to the blog page. And then the internal linking system, which probably is a part of your content vision, uh, allows you to point that authority to the corresponding core page, which improves rankings, which improves organic traffic, yeah. which is the highest intent leads you'll get. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's about education. When Susan Peterson says, yeah, we weren't getting sales directly on the blog. That's ignorance on the side of the small business owner not understanding the benefit of a blog indirectly generating sales uh, from from the core website. If you are getting a lot of reads though, let's say no one's linking, which is interesting because we live in this age where there's, and maybe you're, you could correct me, we're seeing less links and more social shares because back in the day when you read a good blog post, you would link to it from your blog, right? Because you start writing about it. Now it's, I read a good blog post, now I'm gonna tweet it, share it on Facebook, uh, so if you're not getting the links, are you seeing, and you're, you're not getting links, you're not getting, um, you're not getting sales. All you're seeing is you're getting traffic. Is that enough for a business owner to say, well, how's this helping me? Like, explain to me how this is helping me. Cause usually it's always been like, well, look at the link authority we're getting. Cause some of those blog posts would, they're, they're super evergreen. They get a lot of posts but they're only seeing that. Yeah. People are coming from Facebook and they're reading and they're leaving. And if they just keep seeing that, what what would you say the next step for a marketer would be to draw that line if it, if all you're seeing is social traffic? Well, I have I an answer, but I, well, no, you're not getting too deep. Sure. I have an answer, but I want I, I don't want to no, hijack this. Is good. Hijack no, this, this, this is good. Because honestly, these conversations are conversations should, people should be having or at least hearing, because mm -hmm. uh, these are all valid questions. I, I think when it comes down to it, you're seeing traffic on your blog but you're not seeing the rate of increase on, on your links. Um, I would say it would have to come down to maybe even doing some like proactive link building yourself, like hiring an agency or, or working with someone to, to do some outreach to get some links to that. Um, because the higher your page will rank, the higher your page ranks, the more likely it is for it to receive links on its own. Um, so the, the links will come just kind of by nature of how things work in SEO. Um, but it's just really a matter of how, how high are they, these pages in the SERP, you know, are we, mm -hmm. are we targeting the right keywords? Are we targeting the right demographic with this piece? Um, and if so, then we just got to keep pushing and get that up there. Yeah. This isn't the field of dreams. 
You know what I'm right. saying? Like it's, it's not a, if you build it, they will come kind of scenario just because you're writing blog posts and publishing them doesn't mean that the work stops there. Uh, I, I mean, there's, we haven't even talked about social strategy, but right. distribution of that content is one of the fundamental, uh, portions of content marketing. Uh, it's not just the creation of content, but it's the distribution of that content. And through a good social strategy, you can do that. Yeah. So, social is only one part. Joe was talking sure. about the link building, which is also a, 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 another thing where if you, if you want more links, then you need to stop writing fluff pieces, right? When you're writing, when you're writing content that has scientific citations and, and stats and things that are hard, like hard science, uh, that backs up your statements and it's not necessarily just an opinion piece. Uh, you're you're way more likely to get links from that because then you, you you're an authoritative uh, uh, writer. Anyway, again, it comes yeah. down to education. Yeah, it comes down to education. Just because someone is writing a blog doesn't mean that success is automatically going to come. Yeah. Even with the pool guy, I imagine he was doing more than just writing blogs. He was probably he probably had a social following. He was he was sharing it. I mean, he was he was hardcore driven. He's not just writing and publishing. Yeah. He's, he's doing a lot more than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, okay. So before we keep getting too deep, which um, no fault here. <laughs> I think like, it's this hard is good stuff. when you this have three stuff. like SEO background people know, in a room I and know. we're trying to keep it, you know, pretty top level. No, you're right. Okay. So keyword research, user behavior, uh, competitor research, content, vision, like what the format's going to be, blog, no blog, whatever. It's always going to be blog. What's, what's, first of all, how many steps do we have here? Have you even counted? Um, two more. Two more. Okay. I would say two more. All right. Give, um, give me, give me the last two. So your last ones are going to be marketing automation. Um, and of course, like the reason they're in steps is just to kind of make it easier to understand, but these, all of these are concurrently, done. they can be done yep, concurrently. Yep, exactly. So marketing automation, having something where you can have some lead generation form fill type of thing going on on your website. These are if this, then that statements that right. allow for things to happen. Yeah. So like if you have a blog, right. And you want people to, um, if you want to gather people's emails, having a email capture form on the blog is a great way to start building an email list, which you can then put into something like a MailChimp or an Infusionsoft where you start sending automated emails that meet the needs of the readers of your blog and provide more value for them in a way that brings more, uh, fidelity to your blog and to your brand itself, as well as even push out some, some more purchases and more leads. Um, so, but again, it all depends on, on what you're selling, what you're trying to, to accomplish with your business. Um, but having some, some type of marketing automation strategy in place, or at least mapped out, uh, from a top vision, uh, type of way is going to be crucial at this beginning stage. Okay. So that's marketing automation. What's the last one? The last one is going to be your social, um, social presence, right? Making sure you understand what that's going to look like five years down the road and what you got to do to get there. So whether that means you got to like, obviously you should be on as many of the relevant social media platforms as possible and as needed, but, uh, kind of starting out bit by bit and scaling it from there is going to be crucial. So understanding which platform you want to be on first, which one you want to put the most time and effort into that's going to drive the highest return is going to be crucial. The way you can do that is looking at your competitors, seeing what they're doing, seeing what's working for them and use that to inform your strategy moving forward. Yeah. Actually, one of the best things that I've learned uh, as far as choosing which platforms to be on is to Google your keywords. Yeah. If you yeah, Google exactly. your keywords and you see Twitter popping up or you see Facebook or a lot of these industries have their own platforms, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, like neighbor, right? Neighbor right. is a big one. Like if, if you're looking for storage, 
neighbor is kind of a platform to do that anyway so google your keywords and whatever platforms you see on there like if you're a restaurant yelp will likely come up things like that uh those are the platforms you should yeah. be on but anyway cool it, and then i'm gonna just add one more thing and this oh. is just because bonus. it's a little uh, yeah a little bonus tip uh it's it's more of a shout out to my my paid marketers paid folks out there make sure you also have like everything uh, that i'm, I'm just scratching this one yeah. out we don't need to talk about ppc make sure you have some type of paid strategy in place or something that you want to start to ramp up down the road because everything we've talked about right now theoretically could be done for free if you know how to do it uh if you have he, the know-how he put free in air quotes just so you yeah guys yeah know. i did the air quotes for free but uh <laughs> but page strategy there's no way you can get it done without putting out some money so obviously you got to have that money to spend that budget to spend um and i would recommend consulting with someone who actually knows what they're doing when it comes to pay just because you don't want to be throwing money down the drain while you're learning how to do it um so make sure you get your your feet under you before you start running with it um but yeah a paid strategy incorporated into all this is going to be also pretty big cool all right so we've got six i'm going to review these and then brandon i'm going to leave it to you to decide where we want to go i want to go to keyword research fyi <laughs> okay keyword <laughs> research number one User behavior, competitor research, number two, content vision, uh, three, marketing automation, four, social presence, number five, and then the bonus, paid strategy. You know what I'm surprised is not on the list? Email. Email's good to think about. Tracking, Google Analytics. Get that stuff set up. That's right, that's right. Attribution modeling. Well, that's getting a little deep. I'm just saying, like, you're getting a website set up. Well, tracking and attribution are almost synonymous. At least slap on the GA. No, yeah, you're you're fair to point that out. I think in the back of my mind, when we say building a website, that's just kind of goes with it. But you're right in that that needs to be a focus. Because if you have bad data and you're not tracking it correctly, like, it's going to be dang near impossible to understand what's working and what's not when it comes to your strategies yep. that you're going to be rolling out. Yep. So that's going to be huge. Still important. I think we're going to start, mm, let's start with keyword research. Uh, that's <laughs> a great one, man. Okay. So in the next, we've got probably 10 minutes before we have to go into uh, digital marketing roulette. Here, here's what I want to get into. Um, in, in each of these, and we'll probably, honestly, if we spend the next 10 minutes on keyword research, I'd be <laughs> totally fine with that. Uh, this stuff changes all the time right? The way that we do it, uh, even the level of importance, right? How you prioritize these can change based on, on the weight that Google or other search engines put on certain elements. Um, we're in 2019 and most people, and just as an example, because we're talking about keyword research, I'm hiring an SEO, uh, person on my team. And one of the, one of the, uh, the question that I ask every single person is walk me through your process of keyword research. And I'm looking for certain things that they do outside of, I put it into Moz or I put it into Ahrefs or whatever. Uh, an example of that is like TFIDF, right? Term frequency, sure. inverse document frequency, which I know 97 floor is a huge proponent of. Most people have never even heard of TFIDF. Not even yeah. one time they're like, no, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And that's almost a red flag. Like that's almost a deal breaker for me. Sure. Or if, if you, if you don't understand keyword research, then I like, I have a really hard time, uh, feeling good about hiring you. So, when we're talking about 2019, the, the, the most current way of doing keyword research, this is one of the, the, the main reasons I wanted to have you on, Joe, is, sure. is to give us the latest and greatest in SEO and right now specifically keyword research. So where do we go from here? So the way you kind of described your expectations on keyword research when you're interviewing reminds me more of what we call like the, the SEO research in general for content that we put out the door. So SEO or keyword research 
for us at least at 97th floor is just that kind of narrow land of saying, okay, what, what's the search volume? What's the difficulty? What's the cost per click? Run it through an algorithm to understand like what are the best keywords to go after. And then from there we sort through and pick the ones that have the best user intent lined with our, our products. That's part of this content outline that we build. And in that outline will include stuff like TFIDF, featured snippet optimizations, um, any kind of URL optimizations that are needed, header tag optimizations, that kind of stuff. That all goes into that. Um, but when it comes to keyword research, I, I like, here's the thing. Like, I, I know that a lot of stuff changes with Google's algorithm and, and it like fluctuates all the time um, as far as like what's important to Google in order to rank well. Keyword research is part of that, like being able to, to land in a good spot in, in the in the SERP, is, it's, it's part of that, um, but it's not all of it. So to me, the way I see keyword research is it, it gives, like, it's like your compass. It gives you the direction that you need ahead. And then things like page speed optimizations, featured snippet optimizations, schema markup, having that all good to go on your page is, is kind of the motor that drives it towards that direction. Um, so going back to keyword research, how we do it, um, it's kind of hard to, to explain without having like the visuals up in front of me. Yeah. But essentially what you're going to be doing is you're going to pull keyword data uh, on keywords that, on a batch of keywords that, that are relevant to the space that you're trying to get into. Um, so again, it, it all depends on, on what that's going to be for you. But once you have that data, you're then going to focus on looking at the, the search volume for the keywords, um, your cost per click, and then also your keyword difficulty. Now, each tool that, that we use to pull this um, is different. So, I mean, sorry, let me step back on that. The, key, the, the tools that you can use to pull that keyword data um, will give different numbers. Um, so whatever tool you're gonna be using, just make sure you're using that throughout the entire process. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Ahrefs and, uh, and the keyword data they have. Um, and the, as you look at that, the metrics that we just you know, mentioned the, the search volume difficulty and bid, uh, that'll give you an idea for which keywords are worth going after. For us, we choose the ones that have a high search volume, um, a relatively low, medium to low cost per click, and then, or sorry, medium to low keyword difficulty and a, and a higher cost per click. And the reason we look at those three metrics is because we know that if, if they have a high search volume, that means a lot of people are searching it. If it has a medium to low difficulty, it means that what There's we're not gonna, a lot of competition. Exactly. Well, and yeah, and like I know with Ahrefs, their difficulty is solely based on off-page metrics. Meaning, sorry, um, yeah, off-page metrics. So this has nothing to do with your word count. It has nothing to do with your your formatting of your headers and all that stuff. It's just what they're seeing in their index when it comes to off-page metrics. So I know with we were talking about links a second ago. Uh, link getting links to your your content's kind of a, a long battle. Uh, and knowing that if it has like a medium to low keyword difficulty, it, that, that's gonna indicate that the battle will be a little bit shorter for you as opposed to going after some of these higher caliber, higher difficulty keywords. And then tell us why it's good to go after keywords with high click or a high um, cost per click. Great, yeah, cost per click is, is gonna be crucial, especially if you're selling a product or especially if you're going after keywords that are more product oriented because your cost per click is essentially an indicator on uh, conversions. Or so, intent. Or intent for yeah. that keyword, exactly. Um, so if, you, if you're fine to rank for keywords that 
that you're not expecting people to buy stuff from, meaning that if they search this term that you're ranking for and you show up and they don't buy and you're fine with that, then that's, that's fine to have a lower cost per click. But if you're expecting people, if you want to bring people to your site that have that buyer's intent, you want to make sure that your, your cost per clicks are, are high. Yeah. And this is, this is a, this is an interesting metric because typically organic or SEOs don't go after or don't use the paid metrics like cost per click. But, uh, it's one of the greatest assets because of that. However we define that, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard for people to wrap their minds around. Like, why would I want to go after keywords if they're costly? Right. It's like, well, you're not actually paying for them. It's just a metric that shows here's what people are willing to pay to get these people on their site because they're higher intent. So the yeah. higher the cost, the higher the intent doesn't mean you actually have to pay that. Well, and if you think of the inverse of that, um, the, the higher you rank on those terms that have a high cost per click, that's money you're saving. Because if you're ranking spot number one for a high search volume term, that's like, say, $100 per click. That means that people are paying $100 to have an ad serve in that search that, that they're willing to pay $100 whenever someone clicks on that ad. Yep. Like that's a ton of money, right? So if you're able to rank number one organically, whatever money you put into that investment to build that content and get it out the door and have it published and maintained, like that's all just, that's a higher ROI, you know, to just be it. sitting there at spot one. You got it. So Brandon, uh, do you have any questions about keyword research? Uh, well, I mean, just from a, this is maybe hot, just basic high level, but um, with a, a business owner entrepreneur who's not familiar with a lot of the technicalities and stuff, is there a, is there a certain software that you recommend more than others to do like some quick and dirty keyword research? I mean, you have a tool, Moz has Keyword Explorer, yeah. SEM Rush has their own, I think Ahrefs has. They a have a seven day free trial, which I would definitely recommend. I, I would say there there's a, I'm, I'm kind of a, I try to be more frugal when it comes to my recommendations mm -hmm. for like whether or not to buy something. Uh, Ahrefs, That's because you work for an agency. <laughs> well, it's also because I'm, I'm cheap, uh, but uh, I would say Ahrefs is definitely worth the money. Like if I was to start my own business today and I had to get my like tool set and my toolkit put together, Ahrefs would be top of the list and I would purchase just like whatever uh, license I need from there. But there's no one tool that you're using to do keyword research, right? So again, it depends on how you're defining keyword research. If we're just saying picking the keywords that we're going to be building content around, I just use Ahrefs. Meaning, meaning, well, because you had mentioned, um, so, so tell me this, because you mentioned uh, keyword volume, search volume, mm -hmm. difficulty, mm -hmm. and cost per click. Yep. Are you saying all three of those are taken from Ahrefs? Yep. Then how, because to my understanding, Ahrefs doesn't put those all in one place for you to uh, manipulate the data in the way that you're hoping to do. So you probably export like, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so what? I, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. Brandon's like, what? What platform do you use? And you're like Ahrefs, and I'm thinking, well, that's not like someone sure. who goes on Ahrefs is not going to yeah. be able to get the data that you were just talking about right. in the way that we're talking right. about. Right, that's it. a good point. Uh, so, I live and die by like Google Sheets. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love Google Sheets. I love using everything that they have to offer there. Especially, it's especially helpful for marketers. Um, whenever you're just trying to pull insights from data. Um, so I would recommend using Google Sheets uh, in, in combination with Ahrefs data. Uh, that's gonna be where you'll find your best opportunities um, 
or your best like keyword um, solutions there. Uh, Do you have like plug. a Google Sheets uh, template? Yeah, I was gonna say a quick plug for 97 Floor. On our blog, we have we have like multiple blog posts that walk people through how to do keyword research in a very technical kind of way um, that goes align along the lines of what I was just describing. Um, that we even have a template on there that people can download and make copies of and use. Um, we're pretty free when it, pretty open when it comes to the knowledge that we have at 97 floor. Um, so highly recommend following 97 floors blog getting in on that. So if people wanted to reach out to you to maybe ask you for the links so that they're not yeah. digging through the blogs, could we give them the, what's your email address? Uh, I'll give you my Twitter and you can just okay. tweet at me and I'll, I'll hit you up. I don't want people emailing me. That's yeah. what he's saying. What's your, what's your Twitter? Uh, at Joe underscore Robledo underscore. Robledo. R-O-B-L-E-D-O. Robledo. What do you think about Moz's keyword, ex keyword explorer? So I actually stopped using Moz's Keyword Explorer, oh, I don't know, probably two or three years ago, and I haven't gone back since, mostly because I'm a creature of habit, and when I get mm -hmm. into a good groove, I, I like to stick with that. Um, and I, so I, I can't say, I can't speak to the current mm -hmm. Keyword Explorer. I know they recently updated their um, domain authority and page authority metrics, yep. which is pretty interesting, and I, and I actually, for that reason, um, wanna go back and, and just try out that, that data uh, but uh, the reason I left Moz and went to Ahrefs was because of the the volume of keywords that you could get. Like there was just uh, such a, it was just a larger database of, of keywords to look through in Ahrefs, mm -hmm. uh, and their data was updated a lot more frequently back back when I left. Um, so it was a really great resource for me, especially as a marketer in an agency where you know your clients want the latest and greatest data um, out there. Uh, yeah. I know I've talked with other marketers. Um, and they, there's some uh, discrepancies they've seen with some of the, the metrics for Ahrefs data, meaning that like they, sometimes it'll give the keyword difficulty of zero when it's likely you should be higher. Um, and so like other, they've recommended using things like SpyFu, um, which is another mm -hmm. you know, keyword research tool. Yeah, I like SpyFu. Um, but yeah, it's really just kind of whatever works best for you as long as you're consistent in using that data throughout your process. Cool. Okay, we've got to move on to digital marketing roulette, which is uh, the fun segment of the show. Uh, although this episode, it's it's been, I've had pretty a lot of fun uh, this whole time. Joe, thanks for, for yeah. bringing all this uh, knowledge on SEO. It's been super helpful. Fun to kind of have a conversation again about something I'm not only passionate about, but know a little something about. Brennan, are we ready with the roulette table? You want to pull that thing out? Yeah, let me uh, whip out this table Yeah, here. whip that thing out. Okay, while you're pulling that out, I'll just explain to those who may uh, not know about this. Digital marketing roulette. We've got a roulette table. Brandon's going to pull out the ball. He's going to spin it around, and it's going to land on a number. We've got a list of questions with corresponding numbers for each of the numbers. Uh, these questions can be random. They are random. They like They're random. They can either be... <laughs> They're, they're just fun questions uh, to get to know Joe Robledo a little bit better. Oh, boy. All right, so what number did it land on? Number one. Wow, I don't think we've ever had yeah, it land on number one before. Say, this is the first time it's landed on one. So crazy. What's the question? All right, the question is, um, we'll start with you, Joe, and we'll go around if anyone else cares to answer. If you could go back in time and have lunch with your old self who's just about to get into the world of marketing professionally, what is the one 
piece of advice you'd give yourself? It's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> Run. No, I'm just kidding. Don't get into this. <laughs> oh, man. This is tough. Um, I think what I would say is something I would say to anyone who's getting into this, uh, and, and that is you, you can learn all this stuff uh, and like, let me, let me see if I can phrase this correctly. Um, everything that, that you are going to be taught uh, was given to you by people who are really no smarter than you. Like you can figure this stuff out and you can iterate on it and become like better from it um so don't let the volume of knowledge that you have to incorporate scare you it's really very doable um and it's just a matter of of consistency and, and keeping on so it sounded like it sounds like you were pretty um overwhelmed when you first got yeah, into the industry yeah no i i knew zero about seo so being handed a batch of clients day one uh well not day one but you know like pretty soon after being hired uh, and expected to get results. That's, it's kind of a tall yeah, it's order. A overwhelming. So even as you're going through training, so just know that it's, it's possible to learn it all and, and to, to, to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. What advice would you give yourself, Jacob? Oh, so simple. Uh, don't do it. No, three words, invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> like right now, <laughs> do it right now. Don't, yeah. don't go to the job, get, get your Bitcoin in. That's right. Or, or get the job so that you have money to invest, but every single cent, because in a few years, it's going to be worth over $20,000 yeah. each. And then and sell then right out. then. That's right. Sell, Do yeah. not hold as on. As soon as it hits, sell just to be November safe, as soon 12, as it, as soon as it no, hits $20,000 per coin, sell. sell it all. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that'd be a good investment. It'd be very good. Uh, my advice is would just be specialized. Uh, in something within marketing, like pick something and what? What would you tell him to pick? I don't know. Cause I'm what do you mean you don't know? I still don't know. Like I'm still trying to because I love. Dude, what so kind of advice ass- is that? Your 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 past self would be like. He would ask the same question. You'd show up. He'd be like, "Holy cow! What? What no, are you doing here?" I'm a man coming to my old self in regret, being like, "Don't do this to yourself, Brandon." No, pick no, that's what I'm saying. Now. Is he's you're gonna say pick something now, specialize? He's like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I've been thinking about that." What should I specialize in? And no, because be back like, then I was Ugh. thinking, oh yeah, I got to be the jack of all trades. Because that's what it is. Well, whatever. Now, okay, realize. so you come back and you say specialize, and he's going to say in what, and you're going to say, I don't know, out. figure out. Yeah, that's and then he's going to be he's going to be like, what use is that? What use is is having your future self come visit you well, if they can't what? even tell you? So if I may, I think that uh, <laughs> something that has been something I've noticed over time as I've worked in an agency is that you will grant like for myself and others that I've trained you will ultimately gravitate to a specific like niche within digital marketing over time because everyone's different. Everyone has different passions. And I feel like it, you know, for me, it's Google sheets, it's data, uh, for others, it's analytics for others. It's, you know, link building, that kind of thing. So just nobody just gravitates that. towards link building. Well, so if nobody, you, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but, uh, if you know, if you have, if you have a passion, you should just follow it. Like just so long as it can get you your results, go for it you know so i think that's what brandon brandon saying is is at the time he his passion was digital marketing i want to get it in all yeah well at the time digital marketing was still so young narrow like that yeah. that itself was kind of a specialty in marketing so i now, mean you specialized you specially you specialized in seo that was your thing yeah yeah I, I, i've gotten away from that more 
Well, and, yeah, that comes with, but that, that comes with leadership, a, man. The, sure. the, the, the older you get and the more you get into management and into leadership roles, the less executing you're doing and the more you have to rely on people like Joe who are in the weeds, uh, because you're not, you're not there anymore. So yeah. are you, are you saying that, that, uh, you regret getting into management? Like what? Some parts of me. Yes. Really? Like I miss, like you and I are different personalities than that. Like you like the management type stuff. I, I love like, telling people what to I do. like being in the weeds <laughs> on stuff. Um, that's why we get along so well. Perhaps you just allow me to lead you along. I'm more of a, yes. <laughs> blindly. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, one more question. One more. Here we go. That was a bad roll. Let me start again. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I can barely hear that. The quiet ball. Did you? There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> what number is that? We need a new table. <laughs> it was uh, number 27. We do need it. We, we've talked about investing in a... In a new table? In a new table. We get 27 a lot, by the way, that number... Just seems to keep coming up. All right, this is a good one. We've we've asked this several times, but I get varying quality levels of varying <laughs> you levels start of that quality. Over? Okay, there you go. Uh, when I get this answer, favorite source of marketing news slash inspiration. Where does Joe go to get his cup of Joe of SEO or just marketing <laughs> knowledge in general? Where does Joe get his cup of Joe? Cup of Joe. Where do you get your coffee from? Myself, the uh, coffee of knowledge. No. <laughs> I so honestly, I think like there's a ton of like recommendations I would give, but the one that I've I've just been really impressed with lately has been Sightbulb's uh, newsletter. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Sightbulb. They're finally a source I haven't heard of. Yeah, so Sightbulb is a like S I T E. Yeah, S I T E B U L B. Uh, they are a crawler similar to Screaming Frog. Um, they're really great in, in the product they offer. I was in their beta group and uh, it was so cool to kind of see this product go from beta to, to what it is now. And I signed up for the newsletter and whoever runs it, I think it's Patrick. Um, he does a great job. I don't know if that's a real name or just like a pseudo name, uh, but whoever you are, Patrick, you're doing a great job. Um, I really love the the articles that are sent every month and that's a beautiful thing is that it's monthly are so they articles that they write or are they curating no. so here's here's the articles. thing they curate them but it's like some of the best dang curated articles i've seen like they have case studies they have methodology like expiration articles they have like industry update type articles but it's all like really deep and rich stuff so it's not like the you know 800 word count type like uh here's what's new in the, in the seo world like yeah. it's like this is a, a huge sample size that we ran this this research on. Here's what we did. Here's the re results that we got. Um, and they're from like all corners of the internet. And it's it's all people who are very legit and know exactly what they're doing. Um, I, I just have a lot of respect for, for how well they've curated it. Um, so highly recommend- Site bulb. Highly recommend the site bulb newsletter. I mean, as long as you're doing that, it. Stat also does some really great uh, content yeah as far as scientifically like backed yeah. up evidence of how things work oh yeah i'm all about that stat and i did not know they put out content well i just subscribed to net i feel like 90 cent floor needs a newsletter one of the things they, i miss we and, yeah or do ahead. you do a newsletter so i we have well, do you do uh, one like this though like, we what don't you just do one like this is not what i get so i would say 90 cent floor their strength is just having like kind of the the industry knowledge from the agency side of things. So like 
basically it's our experience and knowledge that we've had as we've worked on all types all types of industries all different types of accounts put into a blog form so i would recommend 97 floor blog for sure um, shocker yeah big <laughs> yeah <laughs> big shocker but uh but yeah, I, I've really liked um, a lot of the articles we put. And the thing is, it's like it's not even just like digital marketing. There's there's some kind of more abstract topics that we get into. So it's definitely worth a read. We definitely change things up so that it's it's worth the read and, and more engaging for users. So cool. Here's my suggestion, real quick. All right. You can take this back to whoever. I guess it would be Shantae or whatnot. Shantae, yeah. <laughs> Ninety Cent Floor needs like a client-only newsletter. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I miss, I don't know if you're the same. One of the things I miss about the agency world versus in-house. I can tell you right now. Is no. The, is the constant inspiration that you get from like the chats that we would have because you're working on this client, you're working on that client. Yeah. And then we have like the meetings where like you bring up an interesting article or an interesting tool. I miss having access to that, that brain of an agency. Brain and, trust. Like I, you, you, you kind of wait for the, cl- the, the team to come to you and say, hey, we have these ideas. But what if I had access to what happened in that one Wednesday meeting where five employees brought up these interesting articles and PJ sitting there and maybe the inspiration went over his head on that specific article, but it hit me in a certain way. And then I go back to PJ. I'm like, that was a great article. Like we could do this because the, the account manager is not always thinking about all 10 plus clients at the same time, but getting access to like that think tank that's going on. So if there was like a really cool curated, like, this is what's going on within the walls. And Why would that have floor. to be client facing? Why couldn't that because just be their like, blog? It's one of the, because eh, if it's a blog, then you just kind of assume like nice cent floor puts out good content, but like every agency blog, you kind of just assume that they're just putting out like generic crap versus when you know that it's client exclusive, you kind of have this expectation. There you Ooh, go, Joe, take that back to Shantae. Yeah. yeah. Just make <laughs> it more exclusive and then people want it more. Yeah. Turn it into a podcast or a, or a, a well, video. We do have the mastermind video series um, that is open to the public. They're but too easy is, to get. <laughs> you have like to there is it. something about that. The, we more, have to, the harder it is to sure. get, the more no, you I, I, I get that for sure. Another another uh, plug for the, the email or marketing automation that we talked about earlier. All right. You've hit the max on plugs. So we're going to have to end, <laughs> end no the more plugs. podcast, Jacob. Yeah. End it right here. Yeah, man, I'm, si- I'm sick of all the evidence of all the Kool-Aid they're drinking over there. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Again, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a review on iTunes or any other podcasting platform that you're listening on. Uh, feel free to reach out. We love hearing from our listeners. Uh, you can reach out with topic ideas or if you have suggestions on who we should have as guests or whatever, uh, feel free to reach out. Our email is inbound at below the And that's it. Until next week, we'll catch you below the fold. See it. Re- replace that with the Seinfeld sound. <laughs> 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 <laughs>